Hey there, Pure Report listeners, Rob Ludeman here, upcoming a terrific episode with Justin Emerson from one of Pure's national partners, E+. He is the director of AI and machine learning solutions and is fantastic with his knowledge around what's going on in that space. We have a really great discussion, high level thought leadership, what enterprises are experiencing as they try to figure out what they need to do with all the unstructured and object data that they have. So stay tuned to listen to uh, Justin. And beyond that, the quick update for you is that for Pure Accelerate, purestorage.com slash accelerate, the agenda builder is now live. So quick reminder that we have over 130 breakout sessions this year. And with that Agenda Builder Live, if you are registered, you can go in and start signing up for sessions. And reminder, there are limited seats in all the sessions, although we will repeat popular sessions and of course have session recordings available after the event if you're unable to attend one that you want to get into. But strongly encourage you to go get into the Agenda Builder for Accelerate, check out the catalog, sign up for the sessions that you want to see and hear and and we look forward to seeing you in Austin in September. And now, Justin Emerson from E+. Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it's time to bring the orange. And today, I'm excited. We have a special guest, Justin Emerson from E+, one of our national partners. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. Great to have you here. Thanks for uh, making the trip into 599, our shiny new building. It's the second time I've been here, and it's, right. uh, it's pretty good. I like the arcade. Excellent. Yeah, I know. The arcade is really cool. They just got some new good 80s games that okay. kind, of, kind of throw back to our era. I'm, I'm disappointed that it's Pump It Up and not Dance Dance Revolution, but we'll survive somehow. That's all right. Yeah, we'll wait. yeah that's when we need to burn some late afternoon calories. There you go. Um, at E+, you're a solutions director focusing on AI and ML solutions. So I'm looking forward to having uh, a chat around that. But prior to taking that role in the last year or so, what kind of things were you doing? Sure. So I've been in the partner space for a little bit over 10 years, uh, a couple of different companies but I've been with E plus for eight years in various different roles doing sort of server virtualization stuff and then server storage networking and then managed people. And now I'm doing uh, this uh, AI ML stuff. Awesome. How, how'd you get interested in this AI ML stuff that we're going to talk about? Just come about or something that you've always been tracking? Well, I mean, it hasn't been around for all that long, true, so it's not true. like I've been interested in it for 20 years, <laughs> but it's fair. just it's just something that's uh, that's incredibly fascinating and and I think really game changing in, in a lot of different ways. And it connected to a lot of skill sets that I had, a lot of experience that I had. Um, you know, I've always been uh, a big nerd about GPUs and both in my personal life for gaming and, and at work for things like desktop virtualization and accelerated computing. So that sort of was like, oh, there's something really interesting going on here at sort of the convergence of enterprise and, and accelerated computing. And, and that tends to be this this AIML stuff for now. And that and that puts you at E+, one of our national partners, where I think you've, you've said it right, right? There's really a convergence of enterprise and, and uh, machine learning analytics that's going on. And, and what is E plus doing? I mean, tell me more about E plus just for folks that maybe are less familiar. Sure. So E plus broadly is a is a national solution provider. We do all sorts of different types of technology. We're very strong in data center collaboration, infrastructure, um, all those different kinds of things. And then I'm part of our emerging technologies group, and we specifically are focused on sort of what's the the new cool thing and how do we help 
E plus productize it and bring it to market to help our customers and, and to find new customers. And so this AI ML product portfolio in terms of hardware, software and services is sort of our first big um, solution portfolio that we've we've built with this with this new group. Awesome. So you see E plus sees this as a, a pretty big opportunity. I mean, I think everybody oh, yeah. does, right? Contextually. I mean, I think you just have to turn up. on the news and yeah. you, you, if everybody's talking about it, it's probably a, a big deal, right? But the question is where, where does the, uh, the hype sort of tail off and where does the actual stuff that, that matters to business sort of pick up? And so yeah. that's what we're trying to find that inflection okay. point. Cause you could go invest in tons of different things mm-hmm. and find that there's very little ROI except for yeah. maybe a few of those, yeah. which, which I know you guys are kind of honing, you know, honing into those. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm interested back to the parallel. What are the parallels with some of the things that you said you're interested in GPUs with gaming? Mm-hmm. But what, what are the parallels with your experience doing desktop virtualization, VDI and VMware mm-hmm. and, and sort of the the big data and, and analytics space? Yeah, I, th- I mean, really, that has more to do with the, the fact that you had to learn how GPUs work, how to spec them out, how to build relationships with uh, GPU vendors. So your in, NVIDIA's, your AMD's, et cetera. Um, and so just being in that space and sort of in that um, that air of, you know, GPUs and so forth, you start to see, well, what else are people using them for? Right. And so, oh, you know, five years ago, if someone was buying a GPU for a server to put in a data center, it was probably for unless they were, you know, a national laboratory doing right. nuclear simulations. Uh, it was to do desktop virtualization mm-hmm. with with with. Um, uh, 3D graphics. Um, but then that started to change uh, and it cha- started to change very quickly. And I think if you look at, I think um, NVIDIA's most recent um, uh, financial results, you'll see that the data center segment, which is what they consider like a lot of the stuff that's used for machine learning, deep learning, et cetera, that's a hugely growing part uh, of their business. And so it's gone from zero to, you know, hundred miles an hour in the last probably two years. Albeit still applicable to desktop virtualization. I mean, you oh yeah, that business hasn't gone anywhere, okay, right? Yeah, that business, still there. yeah, it hasn't gone anywhere. But it's interesting that the the types of GPUs you use for that are now different from the from what you use for sort of um, accelerated data processing, and so you're starting to see a bifurcation of silicon targeting different types of workloads, which is also really interesting. Yeah, and, and and I think it's history repeating itself, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you go back 20, 30 years and you look at the initial general purpose CPUs and then the offshoots of that or yeah. FP, FPGAs. Yeah. I mean, there's I like to tell people that a, right? I like to tell people that a GPU is just a really fancy math coprocessor. If you remember the 387, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. it's a it's a 387, yeah. but just yeah. really really good. It's just souped up, yeah. right? It's really good at linear algebra. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So then back to what we were just chatting about where there's just a myriad of different things mm-hmm. that you could could go pursue. What, mm-hmm. what do you think are the most interesting opportunities? I guess you have to combine interesting with there's actually a market there. There's actually mm-hmm. something that you can go solve. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the AIML space, and all these companies are trying to figure out what do we do with it, including yeah. including E Plus, and right. I know Pure Storage, of right? Course. So. There's a group of companies that are way out in front and they're the ones that are like, you know, going out and hiring really expensive data scientists and they've got all this investment in it. And then there's um, everybody else and the everybody else is trying to figure out how does this all work? How can we do it? What's the the best way to do it with lowest risk and fastest time to value? And so our value add there is 
to bring those sort of reference architectures or those proven solutions to different verticals so that we can help them solve a particular business problem. Because there's a there's a particular kind of customer that likes science projects. Right. Most customers don't. Yeah. <laughs> Most yeah. customers don't want to be the experiment or they, they want to be the control group. <laughs> Particularly right? the traditional enterprises, exactly. right? Where they're going to be more risk averse or not mm-hmm. want to take that on. They just go, hey, yeah. we know we need to do this. Can you bring mm-hmm. people to come show us yeah. how this works? Although I think there's, interestingly, there's a particular strata right at the top of enterprise where it's like, you know, global companies or whatever, where they're all building out these massive, you know, AI initiatives and so forth within their companies. I think it's sort of like the one level down from okay. that, like really cream of the crop, top large um, enterprise customers. So, um, but that big middle um, so you have your startups, right? right? And the startups are, we're building stuff around AI, machine learning, deep learning, um, and that's our company. Yeah. Our company is the IP that we're building. Specific focus. And then you have that really other extreme end of, you know, big companies that have probably been around for a long time that are doing that because they feel like it's competitive advantage. They have to do it. They have the wherewithal to do it. So they're going to do it. And then there's that everyone in the middle, which is everybody from small companies that have been around for 50 years to big companies, maybe that are only five or 10 years old, but they're not at either end of those extremes. And that's really the market opportunity we see for ourselves and for our partners. And and so those are the, the kind of customers that we're trying to focus on in terms of what solutions we help build. How do you make sense of, of, of the different nomenclature, right? I mean, there's AI, mm-hmm. there's analytics, maybe yeah, machine yeah. learning, but for a while, it seemed like we were all talking about big data, which, mm-hmm. you know, maybe is more Hadoop clusters or Apache Spark right, right, right. things. And then now it seems everybody's talking about, oh, well, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're facilitating deep learning, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're all kind of interrelated. Yeah. And, and it's hard to um, disambiguate a lot of the terminology right. because everybody sort of uses it interchangeably, whether it's correct or not. Um, when I talk to customers, I usually try to start out by saying, look, AI could be anything. AI could be, you know, Gary Kasparov losing to Deep Blue in 1997, That's right? Yeah. But, and that was all rule-based, that was all brute force kind of stuff. It was very, very smart for its era, but it's nothing like what we have today with machine learning and deep learning. And so I like to say machine learning is um, a superset of deep learning and AI is a superset of machine learning. Okay. Um, and then the way big data sort of builds into that is big data is much more around um, the storage and the processing uh, of the data. So I think of big data as opposed to traditional data warehouses is big data is I need to store everything, but I don't know what questions I want to ask. I don't know what's going to be important. So I just have to sort of store everything in a way that I can then figure out what I want to know about it later versus a data warehouse. Right. So you hear people use the term data lake right now. Right. And I, I love that metaphor because the, what's the difference between a warehouse and a lake? Well, a warehouse has rows and it has, you know, levels and you've got everything organized and you've got forklifts right. and then right. a lake is just dump everything in just yeah. rivers are flowing it into flow. it <laughs> and it's just filling up. Right. And that's a great metaphor for what the different kinds of architectures are when you're storing data. Right. So big data is much more about that data lake conversation and then also the transformation. So like, how do you take the water out of the lake and put it through treatment plants and, you know, take the algae out of it or whatever before you can drink it. Um, so that's that that's part of that. And that's really the um, the engine, the the fuel that feeds that AI machine learning, deep learning conversation down the road. Right. If to use the lake metaphor, if that's the lake, the AI ML is the dam with the hydroelectric generators. Right. OK. Yeah. And I, I like that. Great, great use mm-hmm. of analogies there. What about data pipelines in relation to this? 
just another concept. Yeah. Well, really, like or, a, the idea behind a data pipeline is that you have lots of, especially when you're talking about real time data sources, mm -hmm. is the idea of how do I get that data from where it's originating and then processing it and getting it to where it needs to go. So if you think about to extend the metaphor, right, if you've got sources of of data that are coming in and you want to get those into the lake, right? The pipeline is how do I get it from point A to point B so that I can then have it fill up my data lake? Or how can I feed it directly into some of my business processes so that it doesn't need to enter the lake first? I can say, oh, I'm going to do this thing and then I'm going to figure out this real-time process and inform my, you know, uh, network operations center that, hey, this is happening so that I can then react on it quicker than I could otherwise. But a, a data pipeline is much more broadly like, how do you take a data source and how do you transform it and transport it uh, into something that's more usable? Make it accessible, mm -hmm. effectively, right? right. Okay, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in, you know, we talked about how you've got this middle section, right? You've got mm -hmm. the startups that are d building IT, yeah, yeah. the really super large enterprises that are going to go off and do their own investments. And you've mm -hmm. got this, this chewy middle section yeah. who know they need creamy to do center. something. Creamy center, right? The creamy nougat mm -hmm. in, in the center of what do we do with analytics? What, what do you actually do? What are the mechanics of actually, you know, mm -hmm. E plus engages some, you know, somebody goes, oh, well, you know, yeah. we know we need to do something. We have but we don't know data what. lake or we, you know, we're trying to deal with data pipelines or, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're back dealing with data warehouses and we know we need to get something more modernized. Yeah. What's the process? How, how do you how do you engage? What kind of questions do you ask? How, how do you figure out exactly where they, you know, it's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, we know we need to drive somewhere. We have a map, but the map stops at a certain point. That's a lot of what we've been working on for the last, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, 12 months is, is figuring out how do we help customers down that journey. So we've built a lot of collateral and we've tried to come up with good reference architectures. And so it could start with something like, for example, um, uh, a vertical focused workshop. So let's say we're talking to a healthcare customer, right? You want to go in and have a conversation with the people that are the business drivers. So unlike to put this in perspective for like, say, a, a pure storage right. rep, right? A pure storage rep is probably talking to people in an organization um, about storage. And over time, those conversations get more and more high level. You start talking about applications, et cetera. Right. But AI or deep learning or any of these kind of analytics conversations start way up at the top to begin with, right? You want to be talking to, say, for example, in the healthcare context, the chief medical officer and saying, what are you guys doing about um, these processes that you're trying to improve? Or what are your goals for improving patient care over the next year and things like that? And then figuring out how do you map those to initiatives that might involve the data that they have. So if you go into a healthcare organization, you say, okay, well, what is the data that you have? What are the compliance restrictions around that data? Because it's usually, you know, patient data. Yep. And then figuring out, okay, what are some good ideas to go after? Are they supported in literature? Has somebody done them before? Um, and then build that sort of uh, idea workshop around what could we do? What is the world of the possible? And then figuring out, okay, well, what are the things that we want to go after? What are the things that are going to have the either the fastest uh, return on investment or the biggest impact to um, patient well-being? Or maybe it solves a particular workflow problem. It doesn't necessarily have to even be patient-facing. Sometimes it could be like, well, we're trying to uh, do better bill coding and uh, do more insurance 
you know, pack, exactly stuff. analytics right, around that right. kind of stuff. Cause it, again, healthcare ends up being this convergence of not only patient care, but also insurance everything uh, for better or worse. Right. So figuring out what those are and then say, let's do a workshop, figure out how, how we do that. And then there's, you know, data science consulting. And then there's also the infrastructure piece of it. And sometimes that infrastructure piece might start in the cloud. Sometimes it might start on prem and you want to figure out how do I build the scaffolding around that in a way that I can then add more floors later instead of having to tear the whole right. structure down and start over because my foundation wasn't built deep enough. But ultimately, it's it's seeing what the target is, right? It's starting high enough that you get yeah, an yeah. understanding of the ultimate you know, objectives. Mm -hmm. and, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, with, with all of the different solution areas that we work on jointly, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's traditional apps or, or analytics things, mm -hmm. that's really where we want to be. Right? Exactly. Is, you know, what are you trying to get to two years from now, three years from now, or even if it's right. a near-term objective? Mm -hmm. And then you figure out, again, you're, you're great at analogies, right? The whole, <laughs> the whole, the whole scaffolding there thing you go. You know, totally makes sense. I'm like a shark. I just have it. to keep making analogies, right? You, you just made one with a shark, too. <laughs> um, and, and what's really interesting is, is that it becomes very vertical specific, right? The things that are important regarding these technologies to a healthcare customer, to a financial customer, to a retail customer, to a manufacturing customer are all very different. The technologies way down at the end of that conversation end up being very similar, but the way in which you apply them, it's a very, very versatile tool. Mm. And so it's not just a hammer and everything's a nail, okay. right? So the way that you have to contextualize what it can do is really about solving business problems, right. about asking questions like, does this thing exist? To what extent? You know, how can I predict what's going to happen next? And these things are just fundamental questions that every person, every business analyst would love to have answered. And so it's a technology to help them do that. And that manifests itself differently in the context of different verticals. We talked a little bit there about, you know, product size and mm -hmm. storage, right? And, mm -hmm. and I'm interested in how you view the pure portfolio in the context of mm -hmm. these various, the scaffolding, right? right, right. Like what, what does pure do that maybe other solutions can't or, or don't or, um, you know? Yeah, so there's a really interesting initiative that you guys put together around the data hub. Okay. Uh, and I thought that was very prescient because that's gonna be a, a big deal is that people are trying to figure out how do I take these data pipelines, how do I consolidate them and how do I build them in a way that all of this new infrastructure is, is going to really hammer on it. So if you're a customer and you've got all of this data, but let's say that data is being used in production right now, you don't want to completely destroy that whole infrastructure with analytics workloads if it's already being used in production for some other application. So instead, what you need to do is think about how do I build an infrastructure that can support all of these different things, right? And so the data hub story is very relevant in that it's a it's a Flashblade specifically right. is a great platform not only for unstructured data workloads that can be massively parallel and scale out very seamlessly, but also it actually uh, offers these new type of object workloads as well. And as far as I know, that's I think unique in terms of a really high performance scale out NAS and object yeah. platform. Um, and both of those become very relevant in the analytics space. So, um, you know, for better or worse, the Hadoop and Spark, et cetera, vendors are all being dragged kicking and screaming toward object, totally. whether they want to right. or not, right. uh, because they're being forced to by customers that want to run it in the cloud. And for customers that are on-prem wanting to leverage those same uh, protocols, um, the options are pretty slim for something that's high performance, but also um, object. And so that's a really interesting use case there. So, um, and also you guys were first to market, um, with a reference architecture around NVIDIA's DGX product portfolio yes, yeah. with Aerie. So Aerie um, yeah. 
So that I mean, we were one of the launch partners for that back in, I think that was March of last year. Was, so yeah. a little yeah. bit over, over a year over now. Year now. Yeah. You talked a little bit about cloud right there too, right? Mm -hmm. Versus on-prem. Right. Uh, I think increasingly cloud becomes an interesting option for these these large um, data. I was at a C yeah, I was at a CIO summit um, that I was moderating a panel, mm -hmm. and and I can't say the name of the company, but one of the <laughs> one of the, you know one of the individuals, this you know VP of infrastructure there, was talking about how something like. 80 or 90% of the data that they need to do, you know, analytics and queries and reporting and things, they just, they have live in the cloud now mm -hmm. and they just pull down when they need it, you mm -hmm. know, on-prem. But how, do, how does that interplay work with, you know, an on-prem solution like Flashblade or, mm -hmm. you know, the object engine that we've done versus, you know, kind of pure cloud? Is it somewhere in between? So I think, and, and this always changes because, you know, pricing changes, availability changes, new products get launched. But I think that for right now, doing this kind of deep learning, especially in the cloud, unless all of your data already lives there, is very expensive. I see. So we've talked to some customers that have started this sort of workload out in the cloud and are trying to figure out desperately how to get out of it because it's completely ruining any ROI really? that they just might have had. And yeah. Just bring it back. And, and I think it, it makes sense if you think about it, right? The, the cloud doesn't necessarily have massive economies of scale, right? The more you use, the more you spend. Right. It's a utility, right? Yeah. That's the plus and minus of a utility model. So if you're basing your, especially for if you're a startup and you were born in the cloud and everything that you've done is cloud native and you don't know anything other than um, the hyperscalers, right? Let's say you've built your business model around this particular IP, and the more that people use it, the more infrastructure you need, therefore the more money you spend. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how many customers you have because your infrastructure costs keep scaling linearly with the number of customers that you're serving. Right. So that's a real challenge for, well, okay, now I've reached a certain critical mass, I can afford to bring things on premise so that I can then own it and leverage it. And I can still burst to the cloud sure. or I can still use that for elastic workloads or for development or so forth. But I want to bring some things on on prem. And especially in the case of these um, training of, of neural networks, the amount of data that you need to do that effectively is enormous. Yeah. And most customers, most customers, not all, that all lives on prem today. Okay. And forklifting that up into the cloud to then do your training is a massive undertaking. So it makes more sense to sort of do that on-prem. The other thing is, is it's just a cost thing. Right now, if you want to do GPU-based training, which you should if you're doing deep learning, mm -hmm. doing that in the public cloud is expensive. Um, and I'm not going to quote prices because somebody listening to this a year from now, their prices are going <laughs> to be all change. wrong. Right, but yeah. what we've seen today is that if you can reach a pretty low bar of training workload, you can see a return on investment in less than a year for doing it on-prem, um, assuming that's where your data already lives. Um, but then again, there have been other companies I've talked to where it's like uh, there's a self-driving car company and they said every single piece of data that we collect just ends up in an S3 bucket in Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Well, then it makes no sense for you to build a data center from yeah. scratch because that's not who you are. And until you reach a point where that becomes an enormous burden on the business, then continue as as normal, right? Yeah. But at some point, they'll hit a crossover where they have to make that decision. Right. As, as many companies do. It makes do. sense, right? It and that's to do that. Yeah. And SaaS companies have been dealing with this all the time, right? There's been big um, 
uh, big public cases of like Dropbox, which is where it was all public cloud right. and then brought everything back, back on prem. But then you have the contrary example with someone like Netflix, which is born in the cloud and yeah. has decided to stay there right? right on their biggest competitors infrastructure, yeah. no less. Yeah, I know. But yeah. that's what makes sense for their business. Right. Well, it's case by case. Mm-hmm. Then, but interesting yeah. to analyze. Yeah. If there was uh, always the right answer, they wouldn't need people well, like us. They wouldn't need you to be a solution. <laughs> they wouldn't need us to be solution. Exactly. People. Yeah, exactly. Um, totally tangential change, but I'm, I'm interested since uh, we haven't had a lot of um, you know Pure partners on, on the program. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like? Very simple question. What's it like partnering with Pure? What, what do you like? What, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of things do we do that are interesting? Well, Pure has been a fantastic partner to E+. I know we were uh, an early partner with you guys. I think I was, um, I think I actually got to be on stage at one of the original big uh, uh, sales kickoff shindigs oh, cool. that was over at Santa Clara at the right. Marriott there right. several years ago. Um, but Pure has been great to work with. What I love the most about what you guys have done is, is it was not just a technology thing. The technology thing is really important, but I think early on there was a decision which was how do we change the storage market mm-hmm. for the better and break some of the business pro, uh, business strategies that are you know our our legacy competition are using right. And for a partner, that's really great um, because it lets us be much more flexible and honest and part and, and collaborative with our customers, because yeah. I can go in and I can say, Hey, this isn't just a great technical solution, but it also has the evergreen story. It also has, um, you know, all of these other great things that don't happen to be technology. Um, they just happen to be how, you know, the maintenance works, how the support works, um, how the upgrade path works. Um, and it's such a breath of fresh air for someone who's been doing storage for a really long time um, that you can go into. I, I have, have no customers who have been unhappy with their pure purchase. And I can't say that about any other <laughs> storage partner that I've worked with, um, sometimes for reasons of that, that are not their fault. But so far, knock on wood, um, Every customer that has uh, that I've worked with that's bought pure storage has been very happy with it. And so as somebody who's core goal is to make my customers successful, make them happy. That makes it the best tool in my toolbox most of the time. Awesome. Well, thanks for validating that. Certainly hits the hallmark of the the simplicity and the efficiency that we go try to deliver. Mm -hmm. And it's great to hear it from, you know, out of the mouth of of one of our valued uh, valued national partners. Kind of as we wrap, anything else that you want to plug around E plus or where folks should go to get more information around some of the AIML solutions and analytics things that we've been talking about today? Yeah. uh, E plus.com. You can also check out uh, AI at E plus.com. You can send an email there and that hits the folks such as myself that are focused on this area. Um, We're at a bunch of different conferences. Um, We have a whole web landing page dedicated to our AIML practice. Um, And also uh, you can check out the Pure Storage website under ARI. And I believe there's a partner page that talks about who's a certified partner for ARI and we're on there. would love to talk to anybody who's interested in geeking out about AI and machine learning because it's yeah. super interesting and, and fun. And video games. Right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that too. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming in. It was a blast to have you. Loved hearing your insights on on everything. Really fantastic stuff. We'll, uh, My pleasure, we'll have Rob. to do it again now that, now that you live in the area. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. All right. Awesome. Great. Thanks. And thanks all of you for uh, listening, for subscribing. Uh, tell a colleague we're looking to grow the audience for this as much as possible. We will keep bringing you interesting episodes like the one today with Justin. And with that, we'll wrap for Pure Storage and Justin Emerson. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you.